You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, the host of the Seeky Excellence podcast. And I'm joined today by my new friend, Jason Ball. Jason, how are we doing? Doing great today. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm a, you know, I, I, first time on a podcast and excited to be here with you. Awesome. Yeah, no, excited to have you, man. I, I remember uh, David hit me up on Instagram. It, it, this all happened really fast, which is really exciting. I think uh, for sure, at least I hope I hope in 2022, this will be the, the quickest from scheduling to, to posting that we'll have, uh, <laughs> which is pretty fun. Um, but yeah, no, still great to have you. And David Calavita hit me up and uh, wanted to do something. He's been a guest on the podcast before as well. So oh, um, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah excited did, to have you. There's some wonderful stuff. Uh, with life teen and outside of life teen is doing so much. Yeah. Yeah. Great dude. And I mean, we just, I think we always like really support and relate to each other. And he shares a lot of bold messages, you know, and, and really tries to stand for the truth in a lot of capacities. And uh, yeah, so we, we had a really great conversation. I just love the stuff that he does. Yeah. That's also, you know, I was chatting with him as, as we were preparing for some different retreats and uh, you know, knowing some of the stuff that he's posting and, and, and his boldness as he goes. Yeah, we were just sharing, and it was like one just the, to the other. It just kept getting bigger and bigger. Like, wait a minute, this is what we got to go do. You know, we got to get right. out there and and get men alive as as we work into this world. You know, and and yeah, major things. So yeah, it's exciting to spend time with him and and to hear his ideas and and his passion really for uh, for what's going on. Absolutely, yeah. I think and the way you put that right there is really is really well put in in getting men alive. You know, I think that's that's really what I've seen is there's just a lot of sleepers out there. And I think a lot of people who don't recognize their potential, men who don't recognize their power um, and recognize their calling that they have in their lives. So excited to talk about that. But before we go into all that, would love to just get a little bit more background on on your life, who you are, where you're from and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, fantastic. I can do that for sure. Uh, so I'm the youngest of four boys. Uh, I grew up in a rambunctious household in uh, uh, suburbs of Atlanta. Uh, as you can imagine, our house is just uh, crazy, but it was yeah. awesome to grow up in a house full of, of, of men. Uh, my mom suffered through it, did an awesome job uh, of raising four boys and giving us the ability to go out and do wild at heart as we went. Um, you know, for me, I was uh, I met my wife in middle school. Uh, wow. We dated for eight years through, yeah, through middle school, uh, uh, high school and college, graduated from uh, University of Clemson in South Carolina with a degree in horticulture, hoping to be a farmer was my goal in life. And, wow. uh, yeah, I got married. We've been married now for 25 years, uh, four, five children ranged in age from 21 to three. Uh, wow. so a very fullness of life, uh, as we go, ran a landscape business for about nine years in Atlanta. And the goal behind that was thinking it would lead towards, uh, a farm plant material, that type of stuff. And right. uh, instead where it led me, was the life team. So that's where I am now. I worked for life team for the last 16 years. Uh, I started out as a facility manager running our camps uh, at Covecrest in Tiger, Georgia, and just an awesome time of outdoors. It's where my heart really comes to life. So me as a man, uh, it's the outdoors. I try to spend as little time in an office as possible and yeah. really out and uh, creating as we go. So the last six years I've led our camps and missions for life team and, and just trying to really expand reach more teens so they can go to a place and encounter the Lord. 
that's our strongest desire. Really, my strongest desire is that people would encounter the Lord and have a powerful experience to come into full relationship um, and then have him really lead them through life is the goal. So, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. That's uh, the quick and dirty of it, um, which has been uh, a full life and amazing and spectacular to go through. So. I love it. Are you, do you find yourself being more of a Clemson fan? Like, were you a Georgia fan growing up? Like where's kind of your balance there? Yeah, that's an interesting question. No, actually I was never a Georgia fan. I actually grew up, I went to a soccer camp Clemson when I was young. And so that rivalry between Clemson and Georgia has always been my favorite game. So it was heartbreaking this year to lose that one. I was, I was ecstatic for Georgia to, you know, finally kind of win the, the national championship after 40 years. Um, but, you know, I got to tell you, until 2015, not a lot of people knew about Clemson until they started knocking on the door of Alabama. And, Absolutely. And national championships. Yeah. As it, so, no, I grew up as a Clemson fan and uh, and loved that rivalry, though. Yeah, it had to be awesome for you to, yeah, get the experience to rise of Clemson yeah. after many years of, yeah, really not a lot of national attention for them. No, and my kids, uh, they think that's the norm now. They don't remember the right. years. They were too young. I lived through the years where, you know, the, the six and six seasons and uh, yeah. you know, just kind of getting by. So uh, certainly enjoyed. Um, yeah. That rise. Yeah. That's funny. I'm a big Michigan fan uh, for college football. And I, I feel like I had that same experience this year where like a lot of young Ohio state fans were like talking a lot of trash after Michigan beat them this year. And I'm like, what you don't, what you don't understand young Ohio state fan is that like in the last 21 matchups, Michigan's 11 and 10. You're just right. used to like the last nine years you guys That's won, the- you know what I mean? But like the decade before that, it was reversed, you know? And I'm like, yeah, yeah these young kids, man, they don't understand that it wasn't always like this. You know? It wasn't always this way. That's right. But, you know, for me, that means like, all right, if, if we have a bad year, that's okay. You know, we keep right. pushing through. You yeah. Know, back around at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could remain a little more optimistic. It's not as uh, dire when there's. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting. See, I was happy to see Michigan come back because the Big Ten really needed that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's more fun when it's competitive yeah. versus just like a straight up dominant team. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. That's awesome. And you mentioned in there, uh, you just kind of talked about you know having being raised and the youngest of four boys and being wild at heart. Are you a big uh, John Eldridge guy, or do you just happen to use that terminology? <laughs> Oh, you know, I did. I have read a couple of Eldridge books yeah. uh, later in life, much later in life. But okay, yeah, a lot of what he said in his books, my household was, was wild like that. You know, I think there are yeah. always holes in walls and paint and craziness as we went. Being the youngest of four, uh, we lived out where there were lots of woods and things like that. Mm. So definitely that opportunity to go out and build forts. And so when he when I read his books, I really related to him, though. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I read, I think wild at heart in college and I went on to read three more in like my first, uh, couple years outside, like after I had graduated. And I think it was really good for me, like in the time that I was, you know what I mean? I was like doing my infantry thing and I was not a kid who spent a lot of times in the woods. I spent a lot of times like biking around and played a lot of outdoor basketball, football, like a lot of sports outside, um, like pick up and like, you know, organize, but uh, did not spend as much time in the woods. So I was really learning and like go- entering into that pretty deep in my first couple of years in the army. <laughs> yeah. Really good. I have a good to... friend after his time in the army. He doesn't camp anymore. He's like, no, I had, yeah. I had him go. Yeah. Yeah. Hiking, camping, uh, skydiving, like all the, all those types of things. I feel like people are like, yeah, you know, you at least need some time. I did go yeah. on a hike this past year and I was like, this was kind of, it was kind of fun. You know what I mean? I was like, I kind of enjoyed that, you know, without, 90 pounds on your back it is much more pleasant so um yeah recognizing that's important but yeah i think it's so big you know and just uh i think a lot of times i speak to this for mothers of sons or future mothers of sons because you know what i mean like a lot of people a lot of my peers are not uh mothers yet or they're very early you know young mothers um but mothers of sons and even like for fatherhood um but also for men for their own lives to recognize like the importance of like experiencing your wildness yeah. And it is, I think, incredibly difficult. And I think John Eldridge does a great job of speaking to that, especially mothers, common flaws and mistakes that they make in like over sheltering their kids. Yeah. Um, and I had to have, I share this a lot of times when I speak to men or, or to young gr- groups of young, uh, to boys, you know, who are in high school where I talk about, you know, I had to have some tough conversations with my mom and grandmother, yeah. especially once I had like graduated from ranger school you know and i'm like on about to deploy to afghanistan as a platoon leader 
of you know an airborne unit airborne infantry unit and i'm like yeah so like this whole like baby me thing like probably now's a good time to call it you know we're about eight (laughs) years too late um even that's probably not true probably 10 to 12 years too late for this but yeah uh, now yeah we're like far overdue and i'm gonna need you to hold back on that you know what i mean yeah completely you know i think uh i'm 48 now I think in, even still to this day, there's some times where I'm, I'm 12 in my mom's eyes, you know, right. that, okay, <laughs> I think I got this, you know, as we go forward, you know, and I think I, think I, got, I love it. Yeah, for real. But you're exactly right. I think what happens in a lot of cases is, is that people are scared of that masculinity, that wild at heart. Mm-hmm. And, and you and I both know, and, and when it's used appropriately and in the right ways, it's absolutely beautiful. And it's exactly what, what our world needs um and that's the that's the lesson it's not something to be afraid of it's not something to, to stay away from it's something to actually embrace so i right. was grateful for that as i grew up you know my dad um was also an outdoorsman and, and really embraced adventure whether it's outdoors it's just trying new things and uh so how do we enter into that part of our hearts that drives us forward and gets us whether it's an outdoorsy whether it's experiencing something new it's not something to be afraid of um, but it's something to embrace and go into. So he did a great job of raising us as boys to, to be able to do that. For me growing up, and I think where Eldridge's book came in and a great group of men throughout my life at different times was, okay, where's the Lord in that though? So how do we you know, use it for good, but really use it for God's will even? And mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot of beautiful things that can come out of that wild of heart that really help the world and do great things. Um, so it's just a matter of harnessing it correctly and really, you know, um, yeah, using it appropriately as we go. But I think it scares a lot of people, especially mamas. Oh, yeah. What is this? <laughs> yeah. Go forward. Absolutely. So. No, and it is obviously. And like you see this like increase in talking about toxic masculinity. And I think that's a lot of times a fear of when, when it can go wrong or when it's just kind of, you know, um, yeah, it, it just becomes twisted in a certain sense. You and I mean, or you use your power and strength for evil things instead of for good. Um, but that often comes with just this extreme reaction to it, where it's like just mute it altogether, you know, which which can't be the solution. But um, another thing I want uh, that you that you made me think of there was there's another book by one of John Eldridge's kind of like mentees, uh, Morgan Snyder, called Becoming a King. And one of my favorite things he talked about in that book, like, I feel like every book I read, I had like one kind of like big takeaway from it, you know, (laughs) and uh, my big takeaway from him was like the importance for men to like learn skills, you know, and I think this is interesting, like hearing about your like landscaping business and things like that, because he talks about like gardening or he could be riding a horse or training a dog or learning to fight, you know, like jujitsu and things like that uh marksmanship like learning how to fire and like handle a weapon like these different things and not just like learning one but like over your lifetime like trying to accumulate several different things but how much that awakened uh man and we talked about that before we started you know like awakening men and awakening masculinity um how important that is you know what i mean and trying to get you, get yourself active and and getting more involved in those types of skills have, what what has been your experience with stuff like that you know, it's interesting as you started to say that it, it took me back to a conversation I had probably three weeks ago with my wife. So I have mm-hmm. out of my five kids, I have two older girls, two younger girls and my son smack dab in the middle. Oh, wow. And, uh, and I, you know, we always give them a hard time and say, man, this is, you're going to make a woman happy one day because you're really going to know your wife right. uh, <laughs> how to walk in the household of, of, of women as we go. But you know, he's 15 now. And so as we were talking about his formation as as he comes into his teenage years full-heartedly, what does that look like? And uh, as we kind of sat with that, it was, hey, how do we introduce him to these different experiences? You know, and yeah. some of it was, you know, the other day I had him driving a truck and a trailer. What does that look like to, to mm-hmm. step out? You know, some of these experiences of uh, putting in sinks and, and just those skills that, that come into it. And it does two things for us. I think one, it builds our confidence as men of, Hey, I can create, I can, um, I, I can, uh, contribute right to society, yeah. to my family, uh, all of these things as we go. And it builds our confidence in that as we go. And then the other thing it does for me is I'm walking through it with him is it opens up conversations, right? Now that we've had yeah. a shared encounter together of, you know, toilet work or whatever it might be. That's, you know, sometimes fun, sometimes gross, but it's, okay, hey, we did this together. It then opens up other conversations and gives the ability for me to speak into his heart 
and for him to speak into my heart as a man as well um, right. and continue that formation. So, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. As you started to say that, that's exactly where my mind went to was that yeah. formation. And it's interesting because as we go with where I am in life teen and in leading our missions, one of the key things we do is working around our camps. And so we'll have missionaries that come for a year and inevitably quite a few of those men have never worked with power tools before, never mm. driven a tractor, never towed a, a trailer before. And it's awesome throughout a year, the formation that comes just from entering into projects like that or, yeah. um, or you know, work that it opens up their heart and they realize Wait, I'm, I'm discovering a part of myself that I, I didn't even know was there. I've either tried to push it away because for whatever reason, it wasn't open to me, but now it is. And so uh, that's one of our key things is this work formation as we yeah. go, how it can bring life to us as men. Yeah. It's so beautiful, man. It's, it's so necessary. And I think, you know, I, I, I was really uh, impacted too, what you said about um, wanting to get outside and not sit in an office as much as possible, you know? And I think, I think we have seen a very, uh, correlated, uh, and potentially causal, um, decline in masculinity as we've seen an incline in office life, mm. you know, this more, especially like, I, I really fear for a lot of men. I like, I work from home. Um, but I fear for a lot of men and, and for masculinity from like, there's a lot of comfort that comes from this, you know what right. I mean? And like, it's hard working from home to not just wear sweatpants every day. You yeah. know, like, cause it's just so easy and you can right. just wear sweat. I'm wearing sweatpants right now, you know, <laughs> and my feet are in my slippers and like, I'm sitting at the house, you know? Um, but like, it's, it's so important to, to make sure, you know, in, in the times where you have that extra time to like, make sure I'm going to the gym and I'm playing basketball with guys and I'm pushing myself, you know, physically and doing some of these other things, because you do just, you do like, I think a lot of men don't realize enough and women don't realize enough too. They're like, your natural default as a human being is to be mentally soft. Right. And we live in such a comfortable world now that, and like things are, I love the, you know, when people talk about like, especially some of like the social, cultural, political, like uh, revolts and, and things that we have going on right now. A lot of people point to be like life in America is so good that people have to make up stuff, <laughs> you know, like people are like making up battles. You point to this a lot, especially in like the race world when it comes to made up, uh, like hate crimes and things like that. Like there's so many rape, hate crime hoaxes. And it's like, if things are as bad as you say they are, like they didn't have to make up hate crime hoaxes in the sixties, you know, like right. that's because it was real. Um, and people don't realize that like we, we naturally become soft over time and we have so much comfort now that it's, 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 we're more a danger of that than ever before. And I remember hitting that point two years ago. And that's why I did Exodus 90 and then last year, I still felt like I was kind of get to that. I was like, I want to do something mentally tough. And the yeah. Lord had a little humor and I tore my Achilles. And so uh, <laughs> learning how to walk again was pretty tough. Um, did not enjoy that. It was definitely very mentally challenging while not always being the most physically challenging, you know, just like sitting on yeah. the couch all the time and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was a rough year. But yeah, I just think it's so important, you know, to like take the time to get outside and and do difficult things and just like go running in the rain and like random stuff, you know, like I love listening yeah. to David Goggins and Jocko talk about that stuff. And some people look at them like they're psychos. And like, I think David Goggins is a psycho because he does it all the time, but like, it's good to do that stuff sometimes, you know, like go on a run when it's cold. Yeah, that's right. That man, that's where I was this morning. I, you know, for me, I come to life out there and, and mentally uh, are, I'm able to silence a lot of the other noise in my life. Right. And yeah. really that focus on, uh, the Lord speaking, you know, I'll pray and then I'll go for a run. And it's amazing how going through that little bit of, of exertion outside where it's uncomfortable and, and hard and pushing myself uh, yeah. is amazing. I actually did Exodus 90 last year myself. Um, and I was reflecting on it. You know, I've had probably three times in my life where uh, the Lord really desired to move boldly in my life. I would start moving in that direction and then he'd bring together a group of men uh, at, at the right time for me to then journey with and to be a part of. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I was reflecting on was um, there's a non-denominational preacher here in Atlanta who often, when he speaks about dating, you know, he's talking to a single person. He's like, hey, you're looking for a certain type of person. Maybe yeah. you should be that person, Ooh. right? You should seek yeah. to be that, that type uh, in what you're looking for. And, and so for me as a, as a man, I remember my first major conversion in life um, I was newly married, newly in four years into it and had been seeking those comforts that you're talking about, right? It's so easy yeah. of what can I take from the world? How can this feed me? You know, what, what can I use? 
And uh, the Lord spoke yeah. very uh, clearly one night at Mass about going on a mission trip. So going out into Honduras, where it's uncomfortable, I'm sharing rooms with a lot of people, we're digging trenches, we're in an orphanage, and I'm surrounded by a group of young men that weren't just trying to take from life, but were really beautiful examples of, um, hey, there is a God, he desires me, I may not be perfect, but I'm going to give it all I can, you know, yeah. to be a and live that life. So to be surrounded, you know, by that group of men for the next few years after that was amazing to then just see the growth that came. Yeah. But it was in an uncomfortable spot. Um, but I was already seeking it. And then the Lord provided, right, a group of yeah. men to be learning with, which is absolutely beautiful. So, yeah. And know. a lot, I think, aren't, don't have, don't reach that place of openness of like where you really are open yeah. to whatever it takes. And I think, yeah, th there is something about like, you know, the, the Lord wants this in all forms of like, that's, this is kind of like the heart of discipleship, I think, where it's like, the, like God doesn't want you to be like, you know, have this conditional. Yes. Mm. Or it's either like, yes, I'll do this as long as like X, Y, and Z don't happen. Right. You know what I mean? Or yes, I'll do it. If you promise me X, Y, or Z. And it's like so many people in the world today. I think, I think part of it's too, like the customization that we live in, mm. you know, like Emily and I were just talking two nights ago, I think about how like people don't shop in person anymore. Right. And it's like, cause when you're online, like you just have endless amounts of things that you can shop for. You can customize everything, the exact color that you want, your size, like everything's customizable. And I think that we have that customize your life mentality where it's like, you don't have an openness to accept whatever it is, you know, which is one of the things I'm so grateful for of like my time in the army, especially when I look back on my time at Ranger school is like, you have to be willing to go in and they tell you this countless times before you start. And just be like, whatever happens, you know, yeah. like I'm not going to quit and I'm just going to keep going, you know, like no matter what, no matter how if it rains every day, no matter if it gets below freezing, no matter if I recycle every phase and have to do it over again, no matter if I have a, a crappy team, you know, who sucks and I have to like carry the slack or whatever it is. It's like, no, you just do it. And that yeah. kind of mentality easily gets left behind in places like that. It was just another thing that I've learned uh, that a lot of people don't carry that into their life. Um, and that's why I think it's more the exception than the norm uh, of people who do. Um, but yeah, just like as men, especially, we have to have that mentality of like, yes, Lord, you know, you think of St. Joseph, if you think of Abraham or Moses, like they didn't have, like, we, we look back and we read their full lives. Right. And so it's easy to be like, they probably knew all this going in. It's like, right. no, dude. Yeah. Like St. Joseph didn't know they were going to Egypt when he said, right. yes, that's you know, right. And that was like nine months later, six months later, you know, <laughs> it's like, he didn't know that. And, and so it's like, there's this, this cowardice to, and fear of, of just like giving this unconditional yes. And then God does provide these crazy opportunities and, and men and other people who are going to challenge you and help you to be that person, but he's not going to do it. If you're just going to be some soft, uh, I often call people hoes on the podcast, uh, when they're being soft, that's one of my go-to terms. It's not <laughs> necessarily biblical, but um, you know, if you're just going to be soft and, and cowardly, like you're not going to get the, the full road ahead. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, hundred percent. You know, it's interesting as you talk about some of those biblical figures for me, it's Joshua. As I think about mm -hmm. Joshua and it's so easy to read the book of Joshua. Of course, the Israelites conquered this, you know, and, but yeah. remember for, for 40 years, they didn't know whether they could do it or not. Right. They doubted right. and all that. And, and, and you're right. We look back and say, yeah, of course he was. But you know what it took from him was that daily engagement of trust and stepping forward at one day at a time. And, but then always right. going back to the Lord and saying, okay, before each battle, praying. Because I think that one of the things I realized after Exodus 90 was that we will enslave ourselves again to something. We desire comfort so much, right? That <laughs> yeah. um, one of the good things that comes out of that discipline and such is the ability to tell where our weaknesses are and where I will tend to turn to when I'm uncomfortable, when I want to seek that, um, that peace, I guess we think it's peace. It doesn't end up being, it ends up enslaving us. But you know, when I look at it, it's that daily walk of then coming back right to the Lord yeah. and saying, okay, where are we going today? And you know what? You've never forsaken me. I'm going to say yes again. I'm going to go forward, but I'm going to go full forward wholeheartedly you know, not reservedly. I, I need to, if I'm going to do this and you really want me to do this. And that's exactly what I look at Joshua. That's steadfast, but God does tell him what seven, eight, nine times. Do not fear. Do not fear. Yeah. Starts in Deuteronomy and goes all the way through. So, 
you know, for me, is he, he knows that at, in our humanness, we need that reassurance. He knows our weaknesses to then right. turn back and get scared and then fear enslave ourselves to something else to seek comfort. So he tells us constantly, hey, don't fear. You know, I'm with you and I have created you and you're strong and you're bold and you can handle this as you go. Mm. But uh, the, the beautiful thing about an Exodus 90 or mission trips and things like that, that community that surrounds you, that, that supports you as you go. Yeah, uh, it's huge. Such a key piece, right? To have a group of men and, you, you know, your time in the army, you, you don't send one soldier out by himself. You know, it's a group yeah. that are going out, right? To do. For sure, yeah. Because that. one just kicked off. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I love it. And, and I think it's the importance of speaking specifically to the biblical characters um, is, is that's the importance of reading scripture and really entering into it and like meditating upon scripture and not just reading it like it is some historical story, but actually trying to like enter in, you know, with the Holy Spirit and be like, talk, like, let me experience this. Let me experience some of the feelings these guys felt and what it was like, because it's so easy to make excuses um, for like, I, I used to always say this, like in returns in terms of athletes, um, <laughs> one of my favorite quotes I've ever said on the podcast that a lot of people picked up afterwards. I didn't like prepare for was, uh, all the people who were like, if I was six, eight, I'd be LeBron James too. And I was like, no, your fat ass wouldn't. Uh, because if you are, you know what I mean? Like so yeah, yeah. He's, he's not only six, eight, but he's like fulfilling his physical potential. And trust me, I have plenty of problems with LeBron. Now I'm not a huge, sure. LeBron, you know, as a person endorser, but um, but still like f- physically, like he's fulfilling his potential. Think of Tom Brady. Like he, yep. he like eats, sleeps, like everything he does is like to be excellent at football. Um, and it's like, we're not even close to that in any area of our lives. Like we don't, we don't pursue excellence in that, to that degree in anything. So it's like this idea that men have all this, and it's always for men. Well, if I was 250, if I was this, if I was you, if I was that, you know, I'd probably be that too. And it's like, no, dude, like you don't understand I think of St. Thomas More has been my example of the year. I feel like he's my patient saint of the year. Maybe going forward, I, I just like have fallen in love with him even more in the last like 60 days. And I think of like his situation and I'm like, how many men today are, are cowards in the face of standing up for what they believe in because they have a family to provide for or because they have uh, fear of losing their jobs or because they think that they'll be hated by certain groups of people or whatever it is, like everything that he faced, you know what I mean? Like his like top 10 things that he had to consider before literally entering into his death, just for the sake of like not uttering one sentence, you know, because he knew it was false. Uh, Like how profound that is. And like, he's a saint in the church and we look and we have our own lives and we just have this like fear and like, God won't provide for me. And I can't live if these people don't like me. And what if I lose this job, then what? And like, there's no trust, there's no fortitude. Um, And so you can look at not only biblical uh, characters, but also so many great saints, you know, who have lived these extreme, awesome, amazing lives who we ought to look up to and emulate that when it comes to our own times, we just have this like excuse but you know that men don't want that because I always say like nobody, nobody like played the side. Like when I was shooting basketball growing up, you know, in my front yard, like I, I didn't, I didn't practice being the person who like was standing under boxing out and watching the game winning shot. You know what I mean? Like I didn't count down yeah, to like yeah. act like I was watching the, the ball go through the, you know, like I was taking right. it. You were the some, guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But at some point that dies, I think in a lot of men. No, I think, you know, you hit it there too. In that, you know, we can look at it and become the victim of anything that we you know, whether it's our height or weight, whatever it might be, you know, where we were born, um, the, the financial aspects that we, we've been privy to or not been, right? And we can make yep. all those excuses. And it kind of goes back um, to where I said, okay, are you going to start becoming what you're seeking or not? You know, as you go, are you going to put in that effort and that excellence? Um, and and you, you talked about it physically. My son is, I played soccer. Soccer is his sport. He absolutely loves it, wants to play in college. I said, do you really want it in college or not? Because all these stars, the LeBron James, right? They yeah. didn't just show up one day and start playing. No. You know, it's all that time behind the scenes. They're getting up in the morning. They're, they're working out. You know, all of those aspects so that they can physically be in their prime to then go and be effective, right, in the game. Yeah. So my son, I mean, praise the Lord, he heard me. And he goes out and spends two hours a day. He's running drills, he's, you know, all of these things because he really desires it. Now, you know, that's an aspect of it, right? The Lord will will come into it, all of those things. But are we willing to put in that work? Or are we going to say, I don't live in the right town. We live in the mountains. Soccer's not a big deal up here, right? So he could easily say, if I lived in In Atlanta. In the south. Right. He's like, if I lived in Atlanta, I could easily go and play soccer somewhere. 
but okay, you can make excuses or you can get out there and work hard at it. Right. And, right. and, and that aspect of, of physically going into it in the, in the training, uh, and Hey, don't be a victim, you know, as we go. And I think you're right that when I see that e- either in myself at times, I start to make an excuse that slippery slope of going down and saying, okay, am I going to do that? Because I don't think it's one day we wake up and we found ourselves on the sidelines. Right. I think it's a decision here and a decision there that pushes us down there. Right. As we go. Exactly. And, uh, I, so I think that self-reflection and it, it, for me, it comes each morning. As I go in and I, and I pray each morning and I spend that time with the Lord, there's that reflection on the day before. Hey, where did I show up? Where did I do well? Um, where did I give my all? Where did I really seek to be the man that I should be? Integrity-wise, where did I seek to be the man that really leads well within my current role, whether that's within my family or in a place that I work? All of those. But, you know, because I think if I don't see it today, a spot that I missed the opportunity to get better in, that I'm going to keep going down a slippery slope, right? And that slope, right. if I'm not careful. So I think you're exactly right. Uh, as we go, it, it takes a daily um, uh, training in, in all aspects, whether that's in our physical, our spiritual, uh, in our emotional. A- am I willing to share my heart, right? I'm married. I have five kids. I could walk in and be completely non-existent emotionally to my family at the end of the day because mm-hmm. of maybe everything that I dealt with, right, in the day. Yeah. Or I can be the man in the house that says, no, I'm going to come up, and when I get home, I'm going to be emotionally available to my kids and hear what happened in their day. And once for in our house, once they're in bed, I'm going to do that for my wife. I'm going to be emotionally present to right. my wife, you know? And, yeah. uh, and, and with that, there comes that fullness of life, I think, as we go. But yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I think with the going back to the victimhood piece, I don't know if you, if you read any Jordan Peterson. Um, and I think he gave this like in a talk one time, but Noel Maring, who's a great Catholic author, she wrote, wrote awake, not woke and, and theology of home and things like that. Um, she's awesome. She was on the podcast a couple weeks ago and uh, she quotes this like great, like uh, almost like litany of things that we could also base like equity and equality off. He's like, why just race and gender? He's like, what about people who are obese? What about people who are less attractive? What about people who were raised in uh, divorced homes? People who were, you know, had to go through the adoption process or, you know what I mean? Like had to live in, um, uh, yeah, foster care. Or he's like, he just goes on this whole list of like a hundred things, you know, that also attribute oftentimes to success or failure in life and differences in, in outcome. And he's like, why not just this? And I think his whole point is that like, let's just make none of it matter you know, and like try to help people who clearly need help and, and take ownership for our own lives. I think that's the same thing. So many men live through that. And it's one of the most frustrating things to hear is this like, well, if only I had this, or if I lived here, or if I had that, you know, and I th- it was one of the most game changing things in my life was to stop listening to that voice that wanted to make excuses. And I still do. I mean, we all fall prey to it, right? Like we all have it happen. Um, but it, it's tough to, to start to discern that because there are like legitimate times, right? Like when you have a torn Achilles or something like that, like you have to, <laughs> sometimes you have to rest, right? It's like some things are not just an excuse. Um, there are reasons, but uh, starting to discern that and like be honest with yourself about like what is going to happen in your life, what you have, what you're going to achieve, um, you know, it, is really important, I think, to let a lot of that stuff go. But love that story of your son too, of just like the whole like digging the well before you're thirsty kind of mindset because so many men, especially, but I think people in general want to have skills in the time when it's needed that they never prepared for, you know, and they never developed in the time leading up to the moment when it was necessary. And yeah, it's just not a good way to live your life. No, it's interesting. I don't know if you ever saw that. It's an old movie, older movie now, but facing the giants, you know, where it's a, uh, I don't think so. the football one. Yeah. yeah the football I've seen one. the rolling scene. Okay. Or the, yeah. the, the, yeah, he's like crawling on his hands and knees. The give that's me your right. best. That's yeah. right. And the guy was back and all that. Yeah. So uh, I think my son saw that movie early on in his life. But the thing that struck me in that is there's a gentleman who's walking through the hallways and he's praying for the students at each, um, at each um, locker door as he goes. Mm. And somebody stops him and says, well, Hey, what are you praying for? He's, he's, and uh, as they're talking through it, he's, he's praying for the, the seeds to be planted, right? He's praying that the fields be prepared so that when it comes, you know, they're, they're ready for it as they go. So, you know, so many people, you know, in that movie, this coach wanted success and 
He said, but are you preparing the fields? Are you investing basically in these young people now to yeah. then be ready when it comes? Uh, and I, I think about that all the time, you know, for us within Life Teen, our ministry is investing in young people. Why? They're the future of our church, right? They're the yeah. future, of not just our church, they're the future of our society and our world. If we want a society that really cares for people, we got to look at our teenagers right now and they got to know that we care for them, that we love them mm -hmm. and that we want the best for them. Right. And that we're willing to step out and do that as we go because they're the future. So let's prepare the field. Let's, you know, so that when the rain comes and everything comes down and it starts to blossom, there's, there's a strong foundation underneath it as we go. So that was one of the things I always took away from that movie was just like, Hey, am That's I preparing awesome. my fields or I just want to hope that it shows up one day. You know, am right. I going to not work beforehand? So. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, and you got to be a dumb farmer to try to go out and just like yield crops right, right? away. <laughs> you know just hope that it's going to rain and something's going to come up out of that ground as yeah. it goes. Right? I mean, it takes all that. And, and I think about that whether it's for me as a father, for me as a husband. You know, one of the lessons I learned early on as a husband, my father-in-law twice a year didn't matter what was going on. He took his wife and they went away for the weekend. Right. So my my wife was raised in a home that she knew ex implicitly that that marriage was the, the cornerstone, was the most was important, that if that marriage thrived, then their family would thrive. Yeah. And uh, so when we got married we, we, from our get go for the last 25 years, we go away for a weekend in the spring and a weekend in the fall. Sometimes we sent our kids away. And we yeah. stayed home because we didn't have any money. Yeah. Sometimes we've gone camping and other times we've gone nice places. But what that message is that sent to my kids is, yeah. hey, I'm going to invest today in my marriage because it's going to bear fruit for years to come. Right. right? And, uh, and this marriage has got to be a firm foundation for my kids to know that they can count on, they can stand on and, as they catapult out into life. You know? Yeah. That's amazing, so, man. Yeah. Yeah, that was an early lesson that what a great witness that my father-in-law gave me on that. Yeah. Of, hey, no, this is this is worth the effort and the time and to make sure that you do those things. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, no, that's so huge, man. That's such a great practical example too. And I think that uh, we don't we don't appreciate that. And that's why I try to make so many analogies through the seven pillars, you know, uh, but like this applies to so many things, right? The same people, I think, especially of, uh, the generation of millennials and Gen Zers who are going to really struggle financially later on in life. If social security is gone, if, right. uh, because a lot of pensions are not there anymore, you know, because they're not actually planning ahead, um, and, and preparing the fields, you know what I mean? So they can, yeah. So they can yield those crops down the road, but the same thing goes for relationships. The same thing goes for your physical health. Same thing goes for so many, you know what I mean? Your spiritual life, like how many people panic on their deathbeds are just like, damn, like I really didn't think of my soul very often for the last <laughs> 70 years, you know? Um, maybe I should have considered that a little bit. And it's like, that's the whole thing. I, I kind of started seeking excellence almost with the, the thing. I, I thought about this a lot in college of the stuff. What are the things when people say, I wish I knew then what I know now, like, what are those things and how can I learn them in my twenties and not my eighties? Right. You know? Um, yep. and that's what I feel like th that's the whole thing. You know, it's like the, the whole goal of life is to learn those things that people have regrets on and like yep. getting ahead of those so you can avoid them in your life. But so many people just are not willing to learn from the mistakes of other people or the lessons right. learned or the good things. You know what I mean? Like the, the tip you just shared. You know, I think about that because you're right. As I looked at, at, at the seven uh, elements that you really focus on, I had the same thought as you go through it. And um, that desire to, to live into it. How do you learn? When I read that on your website, I was like, okay, how do we learn from other people? I've not always been open to that in my life. You know, right. there came a point where I had to realize, hey, I need help. I'm not smart. I don't know how to yeah. do everything, right? In, in exactly. all areas, I am not an expert. So am I going to be humble enough to say, okay, where are some experts that I can listen to? But you know, one of the things in, in, that I know you, you do is as I listen to the different people you've had on your podcast and everything is that witness though, right? Because a lot of times we can hear things and, and we can and, and listen and all that. But right. boy, when you see the differences made in somebody's life and you mm -hmm. see the witness, uh, of, of where they were, where they are now. It's amazing to see the, the, you know, the difference for me, that's, what's really spoken to my heart. A lot of times I go, is that witness aspect of it. Absolutely. hundred percent. I was really moved in college by uh, Socrates. So I remember taking ancient philosophy fall of, excuse me, 2012, my sophomore year. 
and uh just like love this dude i was like the way yeah. he thinks all this is so cool but like the the main overview or like the main theme of socrates life and like his his work was him recognizing that like he had some like oracle you know that claimed that he was the wisest man in all of greece wisest man and he was like no that can't be true so he went out and like debated all these different people and what he came to realize essentially was like the reason why he's the wisest because he's willing to admit that there's so much he doesn't know yeah you know like he's willing to admit his ignorance and it's like i was like man that's deep you know what i was like i was like i felt i've always been definitely uh you know i always joke that like between cockiness and self-loathing i've definitely erred towards cockiness a lot in my life <laughs> and so i was like that's kind of me you know right now and i was like and i don't know anything yeah and yeah. i think that that's one of the things i think is beautiful i've also talked about this i wish to hear your thoughts on this too as a, uh, you know, working with so many high schoolers, young adults and things like that, as I always say in hi high schoolers can be tougher to work with sometimes because they think they know everything and they know almost nothing. College students start to like realize that they know some things, but they start to realize there's a lot they don't know. And then when you're a young adult, you know, even more, but you feel like, you know, even less because there's so much that gets exposed, <laughs> you know, when you become a young adult, uh, from getting your oil changed to setting up the Wi-Fi on your own to, you know what I mean? Paying rent, yeah. like, there's a lot of new experiences versus the shelter that you experience for most people in high school. Um, right. But there's this cockiness that you have to like go of and be like, I just don't know. And that's why I've been so, uh, you know, hungry for knowledge and for wisdom and why I read so much and consume so many podcasts and YouTube channels and try to talk to great men like you to learn more about these seven pillars. Cause there's, it's overwhelming how much there is to learn. But if you can admit your ignorance and say, wow, what if I don't have to make the same mistake somebody else made? What if I can avoid that? Right. actually live a fulfilled and purpose-driven and happy life. Um, and not just for me, but also for my family. That's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, I agree with you. you know, I think the other thing that happens too, though, is we enter into these conversations because we want to learn more. We humble ourselves. You know, that, that pride can get in the way of all kinds of stuff. But what yeah. I've found is like the people that I'm, I'm really close with now, a lot of the men that really speak into my life now are men that I sought out because there was something I saw in them, right? Right. And I was humble enough to say, hey, tell me about your prayer life. You know, what are you doing? How, you know, what are you seeking? What does this look like daily as you go? And a byproduct of that willingness to humble myself and have those conversations is as I've actually grown together with a group of men now that are, are, are pillars in my life, right? That will speak into my life. Those relationships that came out of, it wasn't just the initial knowledge, right? It's the right. ongoing knowledge that's coming from those relationships that built, because one, I was willing to say, I don't know it all. Right. And I, and yeah. I would love to journey with somebody who seems to have some knowledge that I don't and some wisdom that I don't. And, uh, you know, I, I, I spoke early on about that mission trip and that group of men, there are two men that are still a part of my journey from that initial group. You know, one of them came along again later on in life when we started the community here at Covecrest, Chris Benzinger, became one of those main men in my life from that initial uh, mission trip. And he invited, I went, I just started seeking him out. What's his wisdom? What's a prayer life look like? All those things. That's amazing. As we go and, uh, you know, Chris is going to help us with this men's retreat that's coming up, which is awesome. But, um, but the relationship that came when I said, Hey, I don't have it all figured out. Right. And I'm going to yeah. open myself up to these other men who seem to have some wisdom. So that's a, a, an awesome part of, us being willing to humble ourselves and say, okay, I need it. But I think sometimes that you talk about that cockiness in high school, yeah. that's the, you know, I think we all know that that was just a protective, let me put on some right. uh, insulation to keep uh, from my insecurities from being seen and, and, and such as we went. Right. Absolutely. Not with that cockiness. And you realize later on in life, you really probably weren't that cocky. You're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love it, man. So yeah. So tell me more about the, the upcoming retreats you guys have going on. Yeah. You know, as we go into it, it's interesting. We, we spoke early on about David Calavita. One of the things that the Lord has placed on my heart in the last year was uh, in, in conversations with my wife, Melissa, was the sense of, hey, when is somebody going to tell us it's time to start moving again, start living life again, right? And after <laughs> the pandemic and the shutdowns, when is it going to be safe? Is somebody going to come out and say it's safe to go back to, to church? You know, right. it was amazing here during the pandemic that the thing that was demonized as one of the most dangerous things to do was to go to church compared right. to just stay at home, right? Let's isolate ourselves. So what really came in my heart was this sense of, hey, I, I believe there are a lot of men out there who are waiting for somebody to tell them 
step out and start living again as we go. Yeah. So when we started breaking open this retreat, a men's retreat that we do once a year at, at um, Camp Hidden Lake in Dahlonega, uh, David and I were chatting about it. And I said, hey, I feel like men are waiting and they need to step out in, in, into the breach and um, encounter, the, encounter the Lord and then start leading their families again their communities again, all of these areas where we're just waiting for somebody to come to life and do it. Right. So that really became the foundation. And, and both David and I were just kicking around all kinds of stuff. And, and I'd mentioned Chris Benzinger. He's one of those men that has, has consistently stepped out and been a leader in different communities and gathered people around to help empower, you know, and, uh, and just be a part of their journeys as they went through life and how they lead their families or for young adults and how they in, engage within their own communities, that type of thing. So we are, we have a great retreat coming up here on March 4th through the 6th at, uh, in Dahlonega, Georgia, Hidden Lake. And Chris is really going to lead us through, uh, the retreat is called Into the Breach. He's really going to lead us through how the Holy Spirit will bring us fully alive, um, how it goes from me to me and Jesus to Jesus, you know, in, in Acts 2, I think it's in Acts 2, where Peter is walking up in, into the temple, yeah. and there's a beggar there. And, and he's like, hey, I don't have anything to give you, but what I do have is yours. And, and the man ends up walking because what he did have was the Holy Spirit. He'd been empowered. Right. He didn't have physical things that the man might want, money or whatever, but what he had, he gave. So really, we're going to walk through um, how do we engage and allow the Holy Spirit to bring us fully alive and then move forward into the breach to stand out in our families, in our society, uh, schoolwork, wherever that might be, and start being the men that, that God has called us to be. Um, because I think that's what it's going to take for us as a society to move out of this pandemic. Somebody yeah. is, everybody's waiting for somebody to take a leadership role. Yeah. And I think it's got to happen within our families. It's got to happen within our houses first. For and sure. We'll start to see it, you know. Take yeah. It. That's beautiful, man. I spent uh, 12 long weeks of my life in Delonica, Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you did. You were actually right down the street from our camp there. Yeah, wow. Where that base is. You spent camp Merrill. Mount I Yoke. sure did. I and, sure did. Yeah, I had the long recycle phase. So I had to do mountains twice. And Ooh. it's kind of funny, too, because the I'm trying to remember the date. Uh, I think my, I think I got there on March 11th, March 11th okay. is my mom's birthday, or maybe it was March 12th. We went up the first time because it was still like pretty cold. Um, yeah. Yeah. During that, that first round that we had, and then we had like a six week recycle period that we had to wait there. But, uh, yeah, so it was, I had to do it again, in another three week phase, but a lot <laughs> easier there when it's warm. I can tell you that. Um, but that vegetation grows thick in Georgia. Anyways, I think, uh, that sounds amazing, man. I think, uh, yeah, such a great topic. I love the, the effort and the, the focus around trying to get us out of this pandemic and just like move society forward mm. because I think there are just, yeah, I've, I've often, I've often just like the sociologist kind of, you know, I studied some of that in college, like in me and, and just kind of like the people watcher in me, like loves when you have like, uh, you know, little groups of people or like 10 people, 15 people and like, a decision needs to be made and like yeah. <laughs> it's so funny you know when you're with like indecisive group and it could even be just five <laughs> people you know and like i struggle man i try to be humble and i try to be like no i'm just like i'm just here for the ride you know what i mean like i'm just gonna go along with the flow i don't need to lead things all the time <laughs> and like just at a certain point i'm just like what are you like come on like let's make a decision like what are the pros what are the cons like let's execute you know and, hey, i don't see you standing back and not stepping forward into that leadership <laughs> it's hard man <laughs> I try sometimes, you know, for like the sake of just like being agreeable and trying to be humble. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I'm just like, yeah, a lot of times I just step up and a lot often it's appreciated with indecisive people, you know, but um, yeah, I think just to think about that on societal level of how much we need that, how many, um, you know, uh, like school boards and things like need people to stand up against them or how many, uh, you know, parishes where you need men to step up and lead and take initiative and actually be a part of it. So it's not just a priest and 20 women leading the parish. Right. Um, yeah. All types. There's so many different examples. Well, and I think that so often too, um, the importance to me of like a men's retreat, Chris and I used to lead uh, men's mission trips together as mm -hmm. well. And we go to a place like Honduras or Jamaica. Um, but when you bring a group of men together, and you realize, hey, I'm not alone in this. You know, there are great. Right. We're all going through this together. 
it kind of opens us up then and, and helps us be bold to step out if we know that there are other men who are doing the same. 100%. So I think that opportunity to come together and pray, journey, share our hearts with one another, really, you know, the hope is, is that it just empowers us to step out, um, to do it. Because I think when we're, when we feel alone, when we think we're the only ones who are tackling something, again, we'll shy back, right? Out of fear, yeah. if we're not careful, we'll, we'll shy back, we'll stay comfortable and, uh, and wait. And uh, I think we're beyond a waiting stage here. I think that um, the, the anxiety in our kids, the anxiety in our society, all of that, just waiting for somebody to bring a message of hope and peace and love sure. out there. So um, yeah, we're excited about it. I think it'll be a great, uh, a great opportunity. That's awesome. And how many spots do you have for the retreat? Yeah, we could take up to about 150. And 150, do it. wow. Right now we have about 50 people registered. So we'd love it if a few more jumped in. Yeah, that's great. And is there a deadline for registration? No, there's not. They can register up to uh, probably the third the retreat. Yeah, the third. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. It'd be well, good to know on the third that you're coming. Great. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Give a little heads up. Don't just show up day of That's right. uh, no, no on the spot registrations, but anything before that works. I love it, man. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah. Highly encourage people to check that out. And obviously I'll have all the links and things like that. I'll share it both on Instagram and on in the podcast show notes. We'll put it on YouTube as well. And then we have a 15% discount as well uh, with a link, the special link that we have for seeking excellence listeners for your registration fees. And so be sure to utilize that if uh, and when you register uh, for this retreat. And so uh, that's two weeks before my, I mean, I'm very intrigued. I'm very intrigued. It's two weeks before my wedding. So I got to think oh. about if I can get that, if I can get that, uh, you know, approval, uh, approval signature from uh, the future boss there, you know, but um, yeah, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes, but I am very, very intrigued at in it. And I hope that a lot of the men who are listening today, especially, and, and, and I hope the women got a lot from the podcast as well, but hope the men who listen today really feel encouraged and um, got some good practical tips. I think we shared a lot of practicality, you especially in, in ways that we can grow in our masculinity, live that out in our family life and our work life uh, and out in the world and in the church. And so uh, this retreat is a great opportunity to go even deeper into that, to really have a transform transformative experience um, that'll really awaken that masculinity in you and, and help change your life and change your family's life. So I hope many will prayerfully consider going to that. That's great. Thank you so much. And we'll be praying for you. I didn't realize you were that close to uh, the wedding day. That's exciting time. So uh, we'll keep that in prayer as well. Thank you. Yeah. Very, very much appreciate it. St. Joseph's Feast Day, March 19th. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's coming in hot, but thank you. Thank you so much for having me on today. And, you know, I I love what you're doing and uh, that inspiration into people's lives to to seek excellence because, you know, we, we get one go around. I look at this and I think often we get one go around to bring glory to God through our lives, to right. the gift of our lives in this world. So to seek that and to actively um, go after it is a beautiful thing. So thank you for what you're doing to inspire that. In people. Thank you. I really appreciate that for sure. And so hopefully everybody out there who listened today, I hope you really enjoyed it. Hope it empowered you to, and, and encouraged you to seek excellence in everything you do. And we just want to continue to encourage you and, uh, and just really um, help you and to equip you to, to fight hard, to strive to be your best. And so know uh, of our prayers for you and God bless.